Hello, good afternoon, everyone. This is Representative Dan Miller. You are tuning in, sort of, to the inaugural On the Table discussion. This is a podcast that I am glad to be putting together with some of my uh, staff uh, who do a great job with for me. And uh, most of the staff, I think, will be from the Harrisburg office uh, who will be helping to be sure that we get a, a full discussion on what we're going to be talking about. And we will have a couple of different types of on-the-table formats for you. You're tuning into what typically we would call to be our next week now version. This is going to be where we will review next week, and we're going to do it now. And that will be when we're going to take a look at what our, our friends on the other side of the aisle have prioritized, have decided need to be brought up for vote in the coming session week. Uh, they tell us um, with a little bit of notice uh, as to what they have uh, decided. And keep in mind, for those of you who are a little more unfamiliar with how Harrisburg works, um, our Republican friends are in the majority in both the House and the Senate. So that means that they are uh, given the freedom to decide what bills get called up both in committee and on the floor of the House. So they decide that. Um, we may uh, have some suggestions. Uh, I can't always say that they love our suggestions, uh, but we do have suggestions often. And But uh, yeah, so the majority decides what bills get called up. So um, before we go too far, though, I want to introduce the staff who are joining me and probably will be with us uh, many times. Uh, and today I'm, I have two staff members with us. First, let's go to Steph Hardman. Steph is the executive director of the House Democratic Caucus. Uh, she's worked with me and a couple other members for a long time, but she's been with me for almost, I think, about eight years now. Uh, and she worked with uh, Ed Ganey, Mayor Ganey in Pittsburgh for a good chunk of time as well. Steph, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yes. And when did you uh, start with the house? Uh, so I think I'm in year 15 or 16. I can't remember. I lose count. But I started around 2000, the end of 2004, beginning of 2005. So. Right. Was that like right out, out of college? No. Well, kind of. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> Was it your first full-time job? Yes. Yeah. So uh, so that's good. That's good. All right. So you've been here for a long time. Uh, excellent. John O'Donnell is also here. John is a research analyst with my office. Uh, and and uh, John, I think you know, John's only been, this is his first year with, with us. Uh, yes. But John, uh, you've been with the Democratic Caucus for a bit, right? I've been here for actually just two years this month. Uh, and I joined your office in uh, April. It was April 2020, yeah, 2022. And, which uh, you came from uh, LPRO? I did, yeah. So our legislative policy and research uh, office here. Yeah. And, and so for just so people know what LPRO does, I tell people what, what they yeah. need to know about. LPRO is actually a really great organization. It is essentially a pool of researchers, uh, and we work with the Democratic Caucus. So anytime that any of the members have a question that they need further in-depth research on, um, occasionally you, they will get some um, you know, uh, constituent questions that are really technical. Uh, they come to, to LPRO, and LPRO does a whole write-up of that issue. Um, they will write bills for members. They will basically just a staff pool, but one that's focused solely on uh, research, which is great. Yeah, yeah no doubt. I mean, I, I, when I was uh, when I started uh, off, you know, earlier in, in my career, whether we used Elpro quite a bit, uh, and uh, we definitely appreciate the amount of work uh, that gets done through that office. I'm sure our Republican colleagues have their own version of that type of research mm -hmm. as, as well. Yeah, uh, but uh, you 
John, did you ever get like some idea for a bill that was just like ridiculous and you were like, oh, all the time? What? No, no, no. <laughs> the answer was never, John. No, the answer was, I, I will say we we are not allowed to say no when you're an LPRO. But what you do is you offer suggestions on how to maybe improve the bill. But the member always has to make the final decision. You know, member's always right. Member is yep. always right. Well, but, you know, look, I think, you know, with good staff, uh, you know, for all the members with it, it, it is uh, helpful when we get, you know, honest feedback um, that maybe uh, something that sounded good when we were talking with a constituent or, um, you know, kind of just reading about maybe in some other news story from a different state. It may sound good, but when you kind of flush it out a little bit with LPRO's help, it uh, uh, maybe it doesn't always meet what we were hoping to do. So. And sometimes from other states, you know, there's a lot of bills that come in uh, that are based off something that went really well in another state. But sometimes Pennsylvania, the way that our state is set up or our bureaucracy here is set up, that's not a good fit in our state. And we actually have to do it a completely different way to get to the same end result. Yeah. Well, so look, we both Steph and John are very essential to to the work that I do. Um, I very much appreciate uh, them joining. Uh, and to be honest, in all the work that they do for me, they, they make a difference. Uh, we do a lot of bills in my office. We try to write a lot of bills. We try to, historically, we've done a lot of amendments, maybe a little bit less this term, but we try to um, uh, bring a lot of issues up. Uh, uh, some people come up and they say, well, you know, what type of issues? And I always tell them the majority, probably about 65% of the bills that I do relate to disability, mental health, um, substance use, um, those types of issues. Usually human services make up a good chunk and then a bunch of labor and, and education criminal justice reform on top of that. So, um, you know, the disability and mental health is something you're going to hear a lot from us during this podcast. It is a priority issue. It's one that I like to talk about primarily because, well, two reasons. Number one is there's such a need for it. Uh, there's so much more the state should be doing, not only as far as creating programs, but keeping their word on existing programs. But also, to be honest, one of the things I love the most about it is it's, it's not a partisan issue. So, and I can't tell you in my district uh, here just outside of Pittsburgh, how many people have come up to me. Um, they could be uh, the most liberal, they could be the most conservative, uh, they could be some, a family who actually never votes. But when you have a disability, mental health or an addiction issue or anything along that lines, you always remember who can help you out a little bit or who listens and who tries to do something to make lives better. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, that's why I'm glad to do it. And occasionally I find some of my Republican friends on the other side of the aisle, they they will join us in that effort. Not as much maybe as I'd love, but there definitely are some advocates on that side too. So those are the types of bills that I spend the most time with. Uh, and we'll be doing another session of On the Table that will be a sort of a behind the scenes of the bills and the uh, events that my office uh, works on so that you could hear how we develop these bills and initiatives. What's the personal story behind them? What, what, would, what changes would occur if our bills were where to become law, right? So that's what we'll talk about with behind the scenes. And then finally as well, we're gonna take a little time to go around the state a little bit, check in with other members and some friends who are also doing some great work. Uh, it's a great excuse for us to kind of touch uh, in with them and kind of maybe uh, delve into the big issues that are in their area or talk about the work, the bills that they're doing and, and seeing how we could find some collaboration and hopefully get some things done in Harrisburg. So that's what we're looking at for On the Table. We hope you'll join join us. Um, what you're going to find is it will be the Friday before session will be our next week now. And then behind the scenes, we'll follow up um, sort of sporadically from that point. Um, 
And like we told you, this is a next week now version here, uh, dated on September 9th for us to come back into session on September 12th. So uh, with that week in mind, typically what you're going to find is that we're in session on weeks Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, if you don't know. So um, our friends give us uh, the uh, bills for the boats for Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday is sort of, we won't actually uh, formally find that out until Monday, somewhere, or somewhere maybe around 4.30 or so, we get the notice on Wednesday's schedule. We're going to be taking a look um, in brief about those bills that they have, and I'm John, do we have a lot this week? We don't, actually. This is a pretty light week, surprisingly. I mean, elections yeah. are coming up, so I think, you know, people have minds on other things. But this is a, I think there are seven bills this week. No, nine. Nine, nine. bills this week. Yeah, Yeah, it, it's definitely a little bit light, um, and that's maybe to some degree uh, not atypical for this uh, time of year. But we will be there. Let's Let's take a look to see first. Um, we'd like to take a look at by the numbers, sort of what we're seeing. And John mentioned we do have nine bills. I always try to take a look, too, to see people ask me uh, uh, how many bills are Democratic, how many bills are Republican in nature. Keep in mind, just because you have a sponsor who's a D or an R, it doesn't mean there isn't bipartisan support for those bills. However, it does generally give a little bit of inkling as to how many of those bills will get called up overall in the House schedule. So, for example, we do have nine bills that are scheduled uh, for uh, this coming Monday and Tuesday for votes. Out of those bills, eight of the bills are uh, Republican uh, in sponsorship, but we do have one that's a Democrat. So we'll take a pause on that one as well and take a look. These bills all come from committee. They start off in committee and then get to the House floor. Uh, and out of that right now, uh, three of the nine bills were party line votes in the House. Those are always interesting for people to note as well, because if you see that they're party line in the house in the in the committees, that often means that they're going to be party line up on the floor, and there could be some differences and and issues that people have um, based on the design of those bills. So we'll be taking a look uh, for that too, and then we'll also note to where these bills are coming from. There are two dozen committees that are in the house, each with a topic and a jurisdiction uh, that is very specific uh, for their cause. If it's an education code bill, you're going to education. If it's a judiciary bill, uh, well, if it's a crimes code bill, you're going to judiciary. So uh, here we have seven committees that are making up the nine bills that we have, uh, health, labor, education, liquor, judiciary, consumer. We're, those are all types of the committees that we're gonna be hearing from this week. So let's start off and take a look at our first set of bills. Um, John, what are we looking at? Uh, so the first bill is House Bill 2290. Um, now, this is the Democratic bill. This is from Mary Isaacson. She is a Democrat representing uh, parts of Philadelphia. Um, and so the bill is on catalytic converters, which, as you may know, there's been a lot of talk in the media about this. Um, there's been a huge surge in the theft of catalytic converters pretty much since the uh um, the pandemic. So there was a little bit of an increase before then, but it has skyrocketed uh, since the pandemic. Uh, actually, because I saw that this was on the agenda, I did some research on this real quick before our, our podcast, um, and it was 3,000 insurance claims nationally uh, for a theft of a catalytic converter in 2019. It is now 50,000 in 2021. So there has just been an absolute explosion in this. Um, so her bill uh, is running on third, so it's already gone once. They've already done the amendatory phase, which is uh, um, the second consideration. So it's running on third consideration, which is final passage on Monday. 
And specifically, it is a really tightly wound bill. It's a really tightly uh, amendatory bill, and it just adds catalytic converters into uh, the a, a penalty that already exists. Yeah. And that penalty well, is on you know, other types of scrap metal. Let's take a look with it here. Uh, you know, to and and first off, we got to uh, you know give uh, a shout out to Representative Isaacson uh, to. What we kind of referenced earlier is it is not that common for Democratic sponsored bills to, to kind of get called up uh, here. She's got it on third consideration. As John mentioned, this is the final consideration in order for the bill to go to the Senate. She's have she has it up on third. So uh, we commend her for her advocacy. And I know that in Philadelphia, where she's from, uh, this has been a, a larger issue than perhaps for some of us here out in the West. Uh, so we got to give the rep. Uh, uh, some points for for all that work that comes up for it. You know, these issues here will be interesting. Uh, crimes code is something that a lot of people take a look at. Um, you know, during my lifetime, uh, uh, the crimes code, someone once brought to me the crimes code from 1973, the year I was born. And the crimes code was as thin, almost like as a sandwich. Uh, now, the crimes code, it, it's like a like a big brick that you build a house with. It's so uh, bad. Are, yeah, yeah. They've expanded it in so many different ways as if, uh, theft or anything else didn't exist back then. Um, there are some good reasons why some things get expanded. There are some things that some of us question that come up. But no matter what, we want to be sure to, employ, um, to applaud uh, Mary for her work in representing her community. So that that's one of the bills. Tell us what else we have. Uh, let's go over to Steph for a moment. So along the same lines, we have two bills that also deal with theft of plastics and scrap metal, <clears throat> respectively, and those are also running on third on Monday. Um, so there's House Bill 1092 and 1093, kind of like little companion bills. So 1092 makes it more difficult to sell catalytic converters for cash to a scrap processor. Um, it adds specific requirements in order to do so. In particular, you have to show your ID, collection of vehicle information, photos, things like that. And then yeah. 1093 increases the grading of an offense for removing a container from the premises, um, parking area, or any other any other thing that you can do uh, from a resale establishment. And it moves it from a summary offense to a misdemeanor three. Well, you know, all these bills, and, and look, it's all three of these bills that we just referenced, they come out of the Judiciary Committee. Uh, and, um, you know, like we said, we we try to give respect when people are being, all people are being responsive to their communities in some ways. There is a larger piece. Uh, we know that I think almost all these bills end up being opposed by public defenders associations and, and the ACLU, yet they're all, of course, supported, I believe, probably by the district attorneys associations. Um, and, and what we've seen in Pennsylvania uh, is a, not only a large increase in the number of bills, but an increase also in penalties. Uh, right. And that's what a good chunk of this will do. These will be topics, again, some reps prioritize these issues a little bit differently. As we go forward, we'll try and discuss those differences. Uh, but that's what we're seeing from all these uh, bills here is a, um, you know, again, we'll, we'll always acknowledge the responsiveness of a rep. Uh, but the debate that will come from these, at least from some Democrats, I'm sure, will be how many new bills do you need to do in relation to crimes code adjustments? How big does that crimes code need to be uh, before we feel like we have addressed every possible criminal offense uh, that we can? So those are uh, three of the bills. And let's take a quick pause. One of the things that we uh, will try to do as well along the way is to tell you something that's fun or interesting regarding uh, the legislature, 
this is where we're, we'll pause here because I think John, from what I understand, John, John puts together a fun fact for us to consider, which is uh, going to be great, John. We're going to look forward to these here. So John has a fun fact. Now, John, I do, yeah, I you do, say but fun. it's not a legislation, but it is right. fun. It is fun this time. All right, go ahead. Let uh, me hear. So uh, the fun fact is that in 1943, for one season, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers merged to form the Steagles. And so that was because so many uh, um, players had been drafted and were uh, fighting over in World War II. So wow. for one season, 1943, we actually had one, one professional football team in Pennsylvania, the Steagles. And while we've never had a Pennsylvania Super Bowl, which it would be where, you know, the Phillies in the NFC and the Steelers in the AFC end up, you know, in the Super Bowl together. We've never had that. But we did have yeah. one season, 1943, where they were one team. So, John, what, what did the uh, mascot look like? So uh, did that did is an have... excellent question. Yeah. <laughs> was it stealing McBeam with wings? I mean, what, what do you think it was? I, I'm guessing it must have been some sort of bird. But <laughs> I'm not sure how they would have like yeah. mixed that together. An yeah. E yeah, an eagle with a Steelers cap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, no, black, that's... yellow, green, white. You know, mm -hmm. bunch of colors all together. Yeah. All right. Well, that looks sounds like a mess. But yeah. all right. So thank you, John. That is something I did not know, and that was relatively fun, which is like yeah, that's interesting. Uh, not bad for a fun fact. Okay. So let let's take a look here uh, now uh, as well. We're going to take a look, like we told you. We're going to run through some of the committees um, that also go on uh, during the week. We told you there are 24 different committees. Again, our friends on the other side decide which committees have action in them. Some committees um, kind of function a little more nonpartisan or bipartisan in nature. Others, to be honest, they do not at all. Um, so we'll we'll see how we do. Each one of these committees are chaired uh, by the majority and then the minority has representation as well. I think almost all of them are 15 to 10 in nature. You need to get that, of course, that majority threshold for the bill to pass. Um, committees can also do hearings, uh, something that I would love to see more of, uh, but they can do hearings on bills besides from just voting on bills. So uh, we'll take a look. So um, Steph, what committees are in action this week? Okay, um, so we'll have seven committees that will meet this week to vote on bills. So those are voting committee meetings. So we have state government, professional licensure, which is one of those committees you talked about. A lot of times they do good work that's nonpartisan. Insurance, urban affairs, commerce, judiciary, and human services. Uh, and then we have a bunch of committee hearings on Wednesday. In fact, I think that whole day, except for one committee, is mostly just hearings. So environmental resources will meet to talk about hydrogen as a potential energy source. Uh, children and youth will meet to talk about child, child and adolescent facility trends and community responses, so good things. And then state government will talk about election administration considerations in advance of the 2022 general election. So that might be a little something to go see and watch and pay attention to. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, look, like we said, there are, there are bills that, uh, there are committees that function a little bit differently. There are also committees that get a little more action typically than others. Uh, mm -hmm. Judiciary being one, education could be one, and state, state government. government. Yeah, state government as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, do we have any information on the on the bills um, from state government this week? Yeah, I got this. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you know, this is one of those controversial committees, um, and I guess particularly in light of you know all of the controversy surrounding the 2020 election, uh, all of the bills that are currently going to be heard in um, 
the uh, state government committee are all election related. Um, so one of them is on cargo securement for the actual ballots, um, which is uh, House Bill 34. Um, one is, you know, doing all sort of things on election roll, um, uh, moving people off election roll, particularly if they are deceased. Um, a lot of stuff for mail-in ballot applications, um, a lot of things along those lines. Uh, that's House Bill 143. Um, and then we do have one which is probably less contentious, um, which is House Bill 2484, um, which just requires that writing candidates file a, a statement of financial interest in thir within 30 days of having been elected or uh, nominated. So no. that's one that that you know they already have no. to file one, but right. this would make it 30 days. You know, there there's a lot of uh, there's a you know in reality, look, there's a lot of things that that we can do together. And state government committee, when I was on it, up. I'll be honest, I, I did not find it to to be that cordial of a discussion. Uh, but it's been a couple of years since I was on that committee. And, um, you know, I do appreciate I, I try to keep an eye on state government a bit there. And I know the chair um, uh, does keep an active, uh, to his credit, keeps an active uh, committee. Uh, that being said, you know, look, when it comes to these election related issues, the best way I keep saying to everybody, the best way to do these bills is to start together at a table. Right. Um, and it's interesting to see how bipartisanship, I think, is ever found in this place. And it's something to which we 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 you know, we need to see uh, a better job of as uh, from all sides. But look, our, our friends there control the schedule. They know what they want to do when they what, what they don't want to do. Uh, and I my suggestion for state government is always to start. Uh, don't come to the Democrats with a with a bill that you already wrote come to us with an idea and then let's figure out how we can get something done together. So I, I do hope, I do hope that's what we see, but so, you know, look, those are going to be the types of things that we wanted to try to be honest. This is kind of a lighter load that we were kind of thinking it will be kind of interesting uh, to see how we go through the remainder of this session. There's only, I think nine days in the house uh, before the election. Um, and um, we'll see. Like John had referenced, there's a lot of other actions that are going on. There are a lot of public actions that are going on in Harrisburg as well, besides from the votes. So all those things here, we hope to discuss more in depthly with you uh, here and on the table. So I want to thank everybody for joining us. John and Steph, thank you for your insights and your work. Uh, thank, and Dan. Let's, yeah, thank, thank you, Dan. And let's be sure <laughs> to pick it up next week. We'll look forward to talking to you all soon.